This is episode 68 of the Break 80 podcast. We are back home after a weekend full of laughter, amazing places, amazing people, and a lot of golf swings. And joined with me today is Top 100 Tim, as well as Short-Sighted Mike. Speaking from experience, I can say that uh, I think I had one of the best nights of sleep I've ever had last night coming home from a 36-hole uh, day in 100-degree heat. So I don't know how well you guys slept, but uh, I'm feeling pretty refreshed today. Um. Didn't sleep. Oh, slept fine. I will say that the second blizzard of the day on the way home was also amazing as the one between rounds. It was a double double blizzard kind of day in the in the ninety seven degree heat. A two blizzard day. What did you roll with? I went with the uh, just the classic Oreo. They have, well, they have an Oreo hot cocoa one. I tried that one on the way home. Okay. I had the Reese's something else. I don't know in between rounds. Neither that one didn't work at all. So we went with the soothing one on the way home. It's a nice like hot cocoa. You would like that. You're a hot cocoa guy. I'm a hot cocoa guy. You're right. I I don't understand your fascination with being home so often. Who wants to be home? There's no fun <laughs> golf at home. I've played all these courses. I I want to travel. I want to get out. Put me on the road again. I'm ready to go. Ready to go. The life of a single man, right there. Speaking. <laughs> yep. Well, we are going to talk our Brainerd trip, and you know we got to do and play and and, and experience Brainerd as a. And for those that don't know, it's in central Minnesota. It's a it's a hot bed of not only golf but lakes and things to do and restaurants and um, just lots of people that travel there for all different sorts of reasons. And golf being one of those. Um, big news this morning, however, this was the finalized picks from Luke Donald, the European leader himself has now chosen his people and we can kind of now start looking at the rosters of the 12 versus 12 and start predicting and start to kind of discuss what we think is going to happen in Rome in a short while here. So let's go over that. He's uh, and maybe Mike, you can kind of pick up here and, and talk about, there were six that made it six that were picked some that we obviously knew were going to be picked. They were just, you know, shoe ins like Tommy Fleetwood, for example, but um, let's go over the six that were picked and what we think of each of those. Okay, so before the picks, there was one that was solidified this week at the European Masters. Was uh, was Bobby Mack made made the squad on on European points? Um, so he was like the sixth official like lock guy, and then they picked six. So they four of them were no brainers. You knew they were going to pick them: Fleetwood, Justin Rose, Shane Lowry, and Sepp Straka. Those guys were for sure. 100% locks to make this team. So then it comes down. There's two spots, three guys for two spots. And I think one of them was a little bit of a shocker, maybe. But if you look at the data, not so much. So Nikolai Hoygaard gets picked. Um, And we'll talk about the golden child in a second. But uh, Nikolai Hoygaard is a really good player. Uh, young. He's very young. Um, The guy that did not get picked that a lot of people probably would have had over Hoygaard was Adrian Moronk because he won the event at Marco Simone. But um, I think, and we'll talk about Ludwig in a second too here. Um, I think Luke Donald is going on two things. He's young and he's played really well lately. He uh, was T5 at the Omega European Masters, third the week before that, T14 at the Wyndham, Somehow he missed a cut at the 3M. He was here. Uh, T23 at the Open Championship and T6 in the Scottish Open. So like the last like month and a half, two months, he's been very good. Where 
Um, I'll pull up Moronk. He has not been as good. He played in the same event this week, T13. Same event last week, T62. Open Championship, T23. I think they were the same. And then he missed the cut at the Scottish. So I think he's going with the trending the trending pink pick there, probably. Uh, I think Moronk got a little bit tough time because the European system is screwed up. Like it's, they, it put it puts players in a difficult position because they have a world point side and a European point side. They take three from each. So like um, Bobby Mack, who stayed basically almost all in Europe, had more points where Moronk was coming over and playing PGA Tour events, which you get you get world points for, but you don't get European points. Whereas that makes sense. So, like, if Moronk would have stayed and played all the Euro events, there's a pretty good chance he could have been that third spot that McIntyre got, but he didn't. So, Nikolai Hoygaard gets one. And then, of course, Luke, you know, I've been, Luke Donald, I know, I know, I know you're listening. I wanted to thank you. I've been telling you for months and months and months. I've been tagging you in every post on social media. And I'm glad you listened. Ludwig's the man. And he, he proved it this week when he went, when he birdied. 14, 15, 16, and 17 to catch an already guy on the team, Matt Fitzpatrick. So Ludwig is in. I think he would have been in even if he didn't win. I, I just think he's he's good. he was in. Um, and my opinion on this is I think the reason they didn't maybe take Morocco, who's not old, is if you look at the makeup of that European team, they're not that old. So they're going to be, you know, because Rom and Rory are going to play for a while. And so is... Uh, Fitzpatrick and Victor, you know, they're pretty young guys still. Hatton's not that old, but you got a couple guys, you know, Rose and some of the other old stalwarts that used to play. You got to backfill them with some, with some younger guys. And why not, um, why not throw the younger guys out there on the home soil? Because the next Ryder Cup at, in America is in Long Island at Beth Page Black and the New York fans, I'm sure will just be absolutely fucking nuts and ravenous. So why not pick them now? And, you know, throw him out there. Um, plus, he fits the golf course. Ludwig does. Hits it. He's the best. Statistically speaking, since he turned pro, he is the number one driver of the golf ball. Rory is number two. He's really good off the tee, which apparently you need at Marco Simone. So, I don't know. That's my thought. I mean, I, I think that's what, I think that's why they partially picked Hoygaard over Morong, too. He's younger. He's like, you know, he's he's going to be on the team in the future. And I think that the the future for the European team, I don't know if it's brighter than America. But you think about it, like the American rookies are kind of older. Brian Harmon's thirty, whatever. Um, Lou or uh, Wyndham is is it what is he twenty eight maybe or something like that in his upper twenties. Um, and then the guys that were jockeying for those spots, you know, Lucas Glover is old, and Danny McCarthy's not that young. Like the United States has a little bit of an issue with the younger maybe players like, you know, I'll make the call right now. The PGA tour rookie of the year next year is going to be ADDC, Adrian DeMont, Dacia's art. He's going to be rookie of the year. Just calling it right now. Uh, and he'll be a Ryder cup for the future too. So the best young players right now, like really young, we're talking like, you know, fresh out of college age are European guys. So uh, I don't know. I think that's part of the, part of the process of picking them is just getting them some experience. All right. Well, here's my take on this. Uh, I think he made the right picks in terms of the last two. However, I would argue that there's one guy that maybe um, Moronk should have been picked over, and it's not the two last ones. Lowry? I, 
feel like Shane Lowry has really done much to earn a lock. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, yes, yeah, Shane Lowry has a major. Shane Lowry played in the last Ryder Cup. By the way, he went one and two. So it's not like he yeah. he lit it up. But if you look at Moronk, uh coming in, it says, let's see, he won the Italian Open back in May, which was at the place they're playing. Yeah, and that, that has to be you know, so for something. He won the Australian Open in December of 22, won the Irish Open in July of 22, uh, top 25 finish in the Open, was 17th in match play at the match play event, mm-hmm. uh, third in the, you know, DP world rankings, right? Wasn't he? Yeah, he's up there in DP. He played, uh, oh, I'd have to look at Shane Lowry here. Um, so so know, it's no, like, I get you. I'm, I'm 100% on board with that take for sure. I just, I don't, I don't, I think I just, in, in Shane Lowry, it might be one of those things where it's the Justin Thomas, great for the locker room. However, he just hasn't really proved himself in past years that he's a, should be a lock. He hasn't performed as well as people maybe assume he has, but he doesn't have a ton of experience either. And I just, you know, he, it could be one of those takes where, you know, Rory wanted him on the team. I, who knows? You know, that's what, so that's, that's the comparison I was going to make. So, I think, I, I think this kind of, to me, it seems like the European version of Sam Burns, you know, where Sam, where Cameron Young and even Keegan were, you know, ahead of Sam Burns and all of the points and everything. But Sam Burns is Scotty's guy. And I think, I think Shane Lowry is kind of Rory's guy out there. Um, and, you know, they, I think they play together a lot. And that's kind of, that's, that's what I would take. I mean, Lowry was actually pretty good in the middle of the year. He had that little run there in the summertime where he had like, T12, T16, T16, T5. But lately, yeah, he's been not good. Not good since the Scottish Open. But uh, I don't know. Any I'm thoughts sure that- on uh, on leaving Sergio out? One of the most winning Ryder Cup players. I, Rom has talked about having a good relationship um, with yeah. with Sergio. I know I know it's, you know, counterculture now that he's in live, but the uh, the USA side has has Brooks coming over. And you talk about a player that got in because of his former uh, winning record in Justin Thomas, Sergio blows that out of the water. Yeah. So Sergio's, much experience. Sergio's the winningest golfer in Ryder cup history. I think actually I think it's a, a case of burning too many bridges. I mean, he, he, he went down in flames. I mean, Sergio's mouth was an absolute yeah. mess, you know? And, and so it's not like all those things are right to him, but the way that he handled things, how professionalism that has to come into play and relationships matter. I know Rom has talked about, you know, he's, he started to build that relationship back up, but like Sergio went out in flames. I mean, he, he did not hold back. Whereas Brooks Kepka, you know, it's been reported. He's, you know, behind the scenes getting along very well with everybody. He's not, you know, taking shots at everybody he possibly can. He's not saying this sucks and this sucks. And so I think, you know, there's something to how you handle yourself in, you know, controversial situations and i think he just comes out on the wrong end on that one but you're yeah, right well, I mean, dude is honestly doesn't really like i don't i don't like that mantra though you have to have a bad boy in golf you you have to have a little bit of counterculture or else there's there's not going to be a drama brought to some of the events and we saw that counterculture with the brooks bryson era there for a little while we saw that back and forth with tiger and phil um, this was pre-Phil actually kind of not being a great guy, but we're not my, my issue with athletics. And this, this goes through all sports teams is these guys are not role models. 
because of their off the course antics. They're, they're not, they're not people that we need to aspire to be at every level. We just want to aspire to be like them as they're hitting a golf ball. And if there's a little bit of flair with that, you know, that, that famous Spanish rage or however they, they talk about it on TV, um, you never know what's, what's actually there and what's just there for the camera to build some of that flair within a player. Um, Walter Hagen talks about, about adding, uh, adding a little bit of showmanship to all of his rounds for the mere fact that he wanted more people to come out. If he was putting butts in seats, either because they hated him or they, they loved him. It didn't matter because he was making a, a portion or the tour at that time was, was giving away a portion of the proceeds and those tickets. So, so okay. I, yeah, for sure. I, you could have, if they would have somehow picked Sergio, you would, the argument would have been the same as Justin Thomas, right? He's great at match plays, great at the Ryder Cup. But I would argue, you think Justin Thomas's form is bad. Sergio, playing in a 48-man field every other week, has five top tens in the last two years. Five. Since he went it's to... It's been the, rough. It's been real rough. Has, his play has been horrible. You know, he did, he did actually make the cut at the U.S. Open this year, but he missed the cut at the Masters. And, like... He withdrew from the BM the BMW PGA. I think that was when that some of that stuff was going down. But like he's played bad on live as well. And the other thing is, when it comes to these teams, they're picked in different ways. In the United States, for the US team, the PGA tour does not run this. The PGA of America does. And Brooks Kepka won their championship, which may, which also <laughs> makes it harder to keep him out. And the European team is run by the European tour, which which kicked Sergio out. They, they they removed him from the European tour because of all the shit he talked and everything. So they're the ones picking. So it's like two different organizations. If the PGA tour was actually picking, they could have left Brooks out maybe for, you know, leaving the tour, but it wasn't. It was the PGA of America. They're two different organizations. So that's I something to do think, with too. Well, I, I think too that like the, I think the European is trying to create their new identity now. I think they're kind yes. of at the point where it's like it's time for us for a new crop where, where America kind of kind of threw that out there last Ryder cup, right? Like this is our new faces of our, now the Europeans are kind of ready to turn over that new leaf. And, and another thing is with the Sergio thing, it's kind of like the, you know, the TO, like the inter- as an entertainer, people love it. The audience loves it, but within the walls, all those antics sometimes doesn't fly with, with teammates, right? So you don't really want drama within your team necessarily. You want, uh oh, he cut out. Um, you want drama between the teams? That's what he wanted to say. <laughs> he wants right drama there. between the teams. Um, between the teams, you want to stir the other bench up. Yeah, but I mean, realistically, I think you know when when Rom and Rory were vouching for um, Sergio, that was pre some of the majors where he had a chance then. I think I think part of that was a little bit orchestrated by them because um, they're like, okay, we're going to mend some fences with Sergio, and then he has a chance to play well in the majors, um, you know, or in the full field events to maybe somehow work his way on, but he didn't. So uh, I don't know. He's yeah, and I forget what it was, but Sergio put on a large charitable event, and this was as all the live stuff was going on. Some of the negative stuff had already come out. There was a little bit of a rift. But a lot of the guys still showed up, and maybe that's a mixture of of still having you know that that olive branch 
towards him or the fact that they're giving back to a charitable organization and not wanting to look bad for not participating. But I I just love to watch him play, especially a match play, especially yeah. at Ryder Cups. It, it was one of the, um, I think, one of the greatest kind of duels of, of my, my generation growing up and watching golf was obviously Tiger Woods winning tournaments. But then I think second was was likely Sergio in, in Ryder Cup form. Sergio versus Phil at Hazeltine. They made like 10, nine, 10 birdies each. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think he's the, you know, he's like Justin Thomas. I'm, I have no doubt that he would have just shown up and probably played pretty well. Cause that's kind of, you know, some guys just have that, that it factor when it comes to match play. And he does obviously. Um, well, speaking of that, it factor, we ready to talk about Brainerd. <laughs> sure. Yeah. God, <laughs> sure. The man yeah. with the it factor. Oh, oh my god going in i was what was i 150 51 or 52 and it was like and 154 two? and two no you and were now now it is three now three it is three and, 355 and two i had a losing it record is a tim. comeback story losing record versus tim and brainerd oh man amazing amazing the trees the trees up north got to the big man who would have thought i i figured you would have just been one of them one okay. of the trees so first of all, we're waiting for Jeff here to hop back on. First of all, here's the issue. Uh, we are, yeah, the courses were tight. I played like ass the whole trip. First of all, and then not break eighty the whole trip, which is not good. Uh, but the problem is, is when when uh, like with the driver, for instance, which I didn't even hit that much up there really. A driver miss for me versus a driver miss for Tim are two different things. They might miss on the same line. Mine still goes the actual, like roughly the actual distance. <laughs> Tim's hitting these like 230 yard spinners that are, they go. I'm like, well, that's in the woods. And then it just drops in the right side of the fairway. The roughs, it doesn't They're even get perfect. that far. <laughs> They're perfect. That far. It happened over. And oh, I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm winning this hole. Nope. Then just spun its way down to the fairway. Right in the fairway. I, I must have hit <laughs> close to 60, 65%. Fairways and reg oh. during the whole trip during what you called a narrow course or a oh, narrow few God. courses. Yeah, I uh it was a struggle. I don't know. Just whatever that's been a tough summer. I don't know. It's very frustrating. I can't oh god, I don't even want to try to pinpoint what's wrong with my game. I can't hit the driver straight, I can't hit items good. Wet the half wedges are just disastrous. It but all started actually it, actually it, putted ball, right? Yeah, I did much like much like you. I felt like my putting was there up until we played Deacons, and I just couldn't I couldn't find the right line. Like but I, all, uh, I, I only say had... all this success started when I I called Madden's. I told him just make sure the room can't get too cold. Just just exactly make sure. that room was hot. <laughs> I didn't sleep for the shit either night. I slept warm. amazing. Uh, like it, wasn't, a baby. it wasn't like roasting hot. It was actually not that bad. I just slept like crap. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, putting was pretty good. I. uh I think I only had two three putts the entire like you know weekend of fifth or whatever we played four four rounds. I just then a lot of times I actually put it on the line I thought and just they just miss. So that, you, know, you can't complain about that. Just you put it right where you wanted to. So so in lieu of Jeff not getting back on quickly, I guess I'll I'll bring you through what brought us up there as a group. Yep. Go so ahead. the break eighty crew over here was fortunate enough to get PGA Tour media credentials. Throughout the summer, we've been attempting to visit with 
or go to all of the uh, the possible PGA Tour stops here in the Midwest that were accessible. This included places like here, the 3M, uh, John Deere Classic in the Quad Cities, the BMW in Chicago, and the Rocket Mortgage in Detroit. Well, when the Canadian Tour came up to Brainerd, we thought, hey, we should definitely go, especially because we knew quite a few people either trying to Monday queue in or that were already in the field. And uh, it's always nice to see someone that you know do well. So to kind of round out the trip, uh, these upcoming weeks, we're just passing Labor Day now, are actually the busiest for the Brainerd area. As far as both golf, boat rentals, hotel rooms, it is the time to be up at that place. So we were fortunate enough to stay at Madden's. Uh, we played the classic associated with Madden's. Unfortunately, Craigens, which is right next door, which owns previously the Bobby and the Dutch, soon to be Layman 18, now complete, the red, the white, and the blue. So there's going to be three nines, um, the former former Dutch, and I'm not sure if they're going to keep the Dutch name associated with those. Uh, we also went and played Deacon's which is associated with Breezy. And we played uh, Pines and Preserve associated with Grandview Lodge. So really tried to spread out our our golf rounds um, to get to the four major golf resorts that are, are up in the Brainerd area. Don't forget. Yeah, that. you know, one question we got, one question we should dig into and we never asked. Um, I wonder how hard it was to, talk the Canadian tour into having an event outside of Canada. Like this is the only one they have outside of Canada is this one event. I wonder if that took some, or if they just said, Hey, we'll get sponsors and we'll put up a purse and you, they need to fill a spot. Or I wonder if it took a little pulling teeth to get a, to get it out of Canada. We should mention too. I think Jeff, Jeff said gravel pit gravel pit was forgotten on there. And I apologize. Gravel pits. Excellent. But yeah, Mike, I, I'm not sure. Um, that's a, a really good point. Although there's a couple listeners of this podcast that assume anything north of the Twin Cities is Canada. Yeah. So I'm sure they use that as evidence in getting a, an event there. Brainerd is not even close to northern Minnesota. It's central Minnesota. Uh, let's clarify that fact. Uh, but Well, I suppose it doesn't matter anymore because I think the Canadian Tour of Latin America are all kind of fusing into one. It's like the third tour, you know, the one below the corn fair. It's going to be one big thing, I believe. Which is wonderful. Maybe they'll get some a couple more Midwest area events associated with Canada. I mean, North, North Dakota's Maybe. right there. They might as well annex part of it. It's. I mean, it's like, I suppose the you know the European tour and DP World Tour has been doing that for years, going all the way from Scotland down to South Africa. So I mean, I think this one will be going from Canada down to I believe there's an event in Argentina or somewhere. So a lot, a lot of travel. Well, let's stay on the CRMC Championship uh, held at the Legacy, and let's talk about the golf course. I mean, you guys, I don't know how much experience you guys have of playing it. Maybe it's been many, many years, or, you know, I know Tim and I last year played it, or at least played the eight, uh, Layman 18, which I had this preconceived notion that that was built for things like this, you know, just this championship Layman course, right, which is not the case. Uh, it, it doesn't... Um, doesn't have the correct routing for that. It goes long ways away from the clubhouse. Doesn't really finish right next to the clubhouse. So you can't really use it for that. But it is a very much a championship style when it comes to length. I think they can get up to 7,400 yards. I mean, 
um, difficult holes. You can you can play it as hard as you want it. Um, but they don't use that at all. Uh, they and they use the the I don't Tim did he mention which ones they're actually using for the eighteen? Yeah. So that that eighteen, if I remember correctly, was was it red and blue or white? Sorry, white and blue were being used for the uh, the eighteen associated with the CRMC. Okay. And and I had played Kragans quite a bit going, this is going back probably 15 years. And when I walked the course, cause I have, you know, when you show up there, there has been so many things going on there that you can't even keep up from, from the layman and then adding all the, and re kind of giving a facelift to all these other holes. <clears throat> Excuse me. That when I, when I walked the course, we followed um, our, our buddy, uh, Derek Kitchener, we followed a uh, Laringus um, and some other guys, as we were following them, I'm thinking, man, I remember this hole. However, it looks totally different. There's, It feels like there's less trees. Um, the bunkering is way different. I can see it in my mind the hole that I used to play once upon a time ago. It's just not quite looking like that anymore. And they kind of took part of a hole, made it a new hole. And there you could see old fairways, and now they've got the new fairway. So there's a lot of things going on. So if you are a person that has played Craigans in the past and has not been there in the last five years, you would be amazed at the changes that you see when you show up on property. And they're very proud of this. I mean, they have put in a lot of money, a lot of time to give this place a facelift that uh, I think a lot of you'd be very, very um, pleased to see. I think it's very, once this thing grows in, it's going to be a sneaky, sneaky, good, good, good golf courses. With so about, about the money, right? Because the, the money mattered. There was a, a $20 million investment in total put towards Craigans for kind of the first round, which included uh, $10 million exclusively set aside for the golf course. And they wanted the folks over there at Craigans wanted to make sure that we mentioned that even though it says layman's 18 and this other, this other one's either going to be red, white, blue or Dutch, it's also a layman course. And Jeff, as you put it, it's not the same. I mean, the, it, the layman 18, I think, has three of the holes from the former Bobbies, and they're all on the back. They're like three of the last holes. All of the rest are almost unrecognizable from what they were. And my understanding is that that new, uh, what we saw, the white and the blue, look completely different from when you saw them. But the the course itself, I thought when when we were trying to discuss where do these courses fit for the golfer that comes up there, these are your championship courses. These are the, the courses that a PGA Tour would ex expect. Some ability to miss the the fairway off the tee, undulated greens, fast conditions, really tight runoff areas, fairways, and kind of that 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 great quartz white sand. Um, and really a decent distance, a par 70 and 7,100 yards from the back. So it's not, it's not a slouch of a, a short course by any means. Um, that layman 18, whew, man, real test for anyone. Um, but again, not going to be used in any championship because of the 10 minute cart ride. Unfortunately. I had, I had played the old Bobby and Dutch years ago and I didn't even hardly recognize it. It was so much different and pretty sweet, great bunkering, great greens, fairways looked amazing. So I, I thought yeah, it, I thought just walking around looked amazing. It, it, did we get a timeline? It's, is it going to be open as soon as like Wednesday, right after the tournament's done? No idea. I don't know. We had talked with Jack, uh, one of the, uh, the pros there, and he, I, I can't remember what he said there, but he was pretty pretty proud of what they've been able to accomplish there, which is pretty sweet. 
So anything else from the Craigans? Otherwise, we'll just kind of go into our tour de brain or our experiences, our places that we played. Anything, Tim, from there? Yeah, you... absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And and folks, there's there's no there's no match there. Um, I felt like I could have made the Canadian tour possibly. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't Monday queue in, but uh, we have no score scoring update from our Craigans time. The um the pre-mentioned 230 yard spinner off the tee would have played great on Thursday of the first round of the tournament with the 25 mile winds they had would have been perfect. <laughs> would, have been, would have been spectacular. I'm sure. <laughs> what we gathered from this weekend, if you are going to have a miss in your bag, make it be the 225 yard spinner that just doesn't go anywhere, but right side of the fairway. I mean, you're going to be every time. <laughs> Mike and I wish we had that miss this week, uh, which, which Tim, that's the miss. I can work for him. I can teach you. I can teach you everything I know. So the turn of brainer, I will say, started off a little traffic. So for those of you who are going to go head north that live in Minnesota, you gotta, you gotta kind of plan ahead. I think Mike and I didn't plan ahead as we start at the classic in, in classic fashion, quote unquote, we, uh, we showed up right at tea time. So we maybe got a couple of cuts in, but, um, we got a four caddy this time. I don't know if you guys have ever played much with four caddies. I've played a, a caddy before at Streamsong, but not a four caddy. And uh, his name is Bright. Um, and, yeah, I cannot tell you that there's a reason why Bryce was so skinny. The dude must have ran a total of 12 miles trying to help us find our golf balls. So shout out to Bryce for, for having to you know sit and listen to us three whatever we were talking about during that round. Um, a true, almost a true, a almost true too also. solid. Yeah, almost too solid of a four caddy. I mean, most four caddies will rake a bunker, but he was grabbing clubs from every one of us. Like that man had to have at least six golf clubs in his hands, just jogging down the fairway at, at one point in time. Yeah, a true pro. I offered him rides multiple times in my cart as he's about ready to take off sprinting down the fairway, but he never wanted to. Oh, man, I, yeah, I, hot day out there for it too so let's talk about the golf course i think it's the most probably you know in my opinion you guys might agree but it's got to be one of the most well manicured courses that you probably will play unless you are oops unless you're playing a bunch of private you know clubs and things so it's very well manicured um you know you get everything from the up north looks and feels you've got water there You've got the towering trees. You've got um, all of the greens. Very, uh, you know, and, and then one of the things that Mike kind of pointed this stuff out that I don't really see when I play golf, but anything from like the signs and the little little intricacies of the course is always just so well kept up, right? Um, everything yeah. about them is is very well articulated, um, and so you're gonna get you know, your, your money's worth when it comes to, um, course conditions, you know, and, and look, the looks of the course and the looks of everything. So you have to give props to the, to, to the, um, people that take care of that, that place for, for those reasons, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, well, in Minnesota, you know, I think that's, you could always tell like, Especially in Minnesota, because those signs a lot of times are wood. They'll sit out there in the winter time and they get faded and beat up. But uh, you can always tell when a course does all the little things pretty well and takes care of stuff like that. Um, not that it really truly matters in the big scheme of things, but 
Uh, the classic does that very well. Every, all the little stuff is all taken care of. I would say another. Yeah, too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tim. I'd say one one thing I really noticed out there was was just the upkeep of the grass itself. Uh, the quarry was pro or the the quarry. <laughs> that's that's its counterpart further north. Uh, the classic was very very well upkept, even though it was particularly narrow. I mean, you're you're off of the T right or left a little bit, and you're finding yourself into a fairly decent clump of trees. Now, some of them are, are a bit cleared out, so there are areas to find your golf ball on the correct miss. Uh, that's not not to be said you're not going to be hitting out of a Plinko set still. So it, one nice thing about going to the Brainerd area I, versus somewhere like, like the Quarry, like Wilderness, if you're off the fairways on a certain side of a lot of these golf courses, yes, there's trees, but they've done some effort to clear. So there's a little bit of hope as compared to other up north golf. Uh, but the the grass, despite the the sheer amount of trees, both both sucking in the water, um, taking it away from from grass, getting that, and then uh, the lack of of sunlight in a lot of places, the conditioning was was fantastic. Again, minus maybe one or two patches, but when you have thirty trees hovering over a a, a patch of grass right off the green, um, it's it's pretty impressive. If there's anything there at all. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the problem that all these courses fight is is their hmm, what we call it their calling card you know their signature it's minnesota and especially for people that are coming from southern states or anywhere outside minnesota it's for really far up north so it's all trees and everything and they're very tree-lined um trees and golf courses don't mix well you know because it's just not good for the grass so you got all those trees it's just hard for them i'm actually amazed at how immaculate you know all like any golf course, like I'm trying to go, I've been trying to go grass in my backyard for years and spots in the shade. <laughs> and it's amazing because, you know, I have a bunch of trees, it's just hard to do it, uh, that they can get stuff growing at all. But that's a big problem. I'm sure they fight is, is trees and sunlight because courses need a lot of it. Oh, the man. other thing I, I, I was going to mention quick too, was just the designer. Uh, so Scott Hoffman was the, the architect of the course, but also the superintendent for Badens. And he stayed on staff after after constructing the course. Um, but for any of us that are real golf nuts, I think we've all driven by, you know, that field or or a plot of land and said, oh, I could throw an 18-hole golf course. So I can see the first hole. I can see where, you know, the signature hole would be over this creek or around that bend or, you know, it's got this topography. This would look fantastic. This gentleman, after studying the game, studying architecture, and being on property and seeing this property for years actually did it. He he made that that goal come to life. And uh, Scott was then or is currently the architect for for Gravel Pit, which we'll talk about. Yeah, and I think another positive when I think of the classic is the green size. And I think you know any golfer wants to be able to hit green regulations. I mean, let's be honest, the green regulation is a big part of scoring well. So the greens off that that are out there are, are really are big. You know, they're, they're pretty large. Um, you know, they can obviously put pins in different spots where, you know, half the green probably isn't going to be aimed at or, or used. But I will say um, for those that are, you know, it's not like you're playing these little sh small greens that you're, you, if you're hitting the ball decent, you're going to miss a ton, a ton of them. The only thing I'll say with that, though, is because they're so big, there's a lot going on in them. And two-putting is a very difficult task at the classic, if you're not anywhere, you know, within the 25, even 25 footers can be tough if you're in the wrong spot. 
but it does offer you to show off your short game. You know, you get a chance to to visualize and see how you can have a two putt for maybe a difficult spot. Um, you know, around the greens can become up a tough and up and down as Mike was adding, like, you know, don't, they don't get as much thickness and denseness of grass. So you get a little more hard pan. And so trying to chip on a, there's grass there, but it's just that thin variety where you don't get a chance to kind of, you know, a lot of us maybe like to loft a chip. It could be really difficult. You might deal with, uh, you know, getting a blade or, or something there because you just can't quite that, get that club underneath it. Um, you might have to do a lot of using the bounce and, and kind of, uh, you know, kind of doing your more of those scoopy, um, using the bounce shots. But, um, yeah, it can kind of be a tough, a very, very good test with your short game as well as off the tee. It has a lot of carries. So if you're a person that is a little bit high handicapper, please go in, in mind knowing that you are going to have to carry some things. Um, so hopefully your group either has a drop zone uh, designation or something that you can, you know, if you're not able to get over something, hopefully they give you like, a, I don't know, we did the old scorecard double this week. So we avoid play everything, play um, everything as a lateral at all of these golf courses. hundred percent play everything as a lateral. Um, so yeah, anything else about the, Oh, I, I should mention uh, just some of my favorite holes. I think I like 11. I think 11 is the, the one that, that if you see the social media, like it's, it's really a great looking hole. Um, you know, you're not, I guess in theory, you could try to drive it. I mean, it's drivable for guys like Mike, maybe, but Tim and I, it's not really in our, in our bag and it depends on what tees you're playing. We played the, the farthest we could play back tees, which another thing, play the correct tees. Uh, this course is hard than the way it is. And so if you are trying to play one back than you're accustomed to, even, you know, distance, distance, I don't think it matters as much on this one, just because of the carries that you can't go over so you have to lay back anyways on a lot of the holes so you know i know our groups in the past have played anything from the whites the blues and we played the the blacks this round but um play the correct tees 11 is a great hole i like 16 and 17 as well anything else that you guys want to highlight from holes well we got to highlight the old trifecta okay. the old turkey so try, to, try to try to ignore that one go ahead tim pop off <laughs> three birdies in a row baby did i did i get that match mike did i did i get the classic you did. did I, yeah, you did I finish on seventeen. Woo! All right. Yeah, that was That's... that was the first match. Uh, well, you had beaten me before, but it was the first time we didn't make it to all eighteen holes. Closing it out early, folks. Yeah. yeah so Tim got a little heater there. Birdie 10, 11, and twelve back to back to back. And, and it's I should say it's no. I mean, ten, 10 is probably your 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 most gettable birdie just from a standpoint of a shorter shortest par five out there. Um, eleven is your visual appeaser. Very visually awesome it's got a bunch of bunkers behind the hole i don't think they really come into play a whole lot but they just look cool um and then 12 is a is a quite long downhill or par three that has a huge spine in the middle so i think normally what they do is they put the pin either on the right or on the left and you want to make sure you're on the correct so i almost say that's two separate greens because if you're on the the wrong one there's a good chance you're not going to be able to two putt for, for you know depending on what the flag is so you want to be in the right half of the green where the pin is located if you're going to chance to uh, two-putt for your par. Unless you're Tim, you one-putt for your birdie. So, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then I guess we we headed to uh, – oh, by the way, shout-out to Glenn, too. We, we, I've dealt with Glenn in the past. He's one of the – kind of the head guy you deal with out there. Great guy. Uh, I know our groups have really enjoyed interacting with him. He makes things happen. He works for the people. Um you know, he's always listening and, and things like that. So I just want to shout out Glenn. And I don't know, Tim, I know you kind of dealt with people as we were setting this up. I don't 
I, I just have not always had a positive experience with Glenn. Yeah, uh, the the entire group at at Madden's has been has been fantastic from the uh, the rooms that they they help provide for the group um, to just the hospitality at the course, uh, including Glenn and Bryce. For sure. And you guys, did you talk about the stay at all resort a little bit? Uh, just very briefly, just that we were it was one of the, the resorts and and that we did stay at Madden's. Okay, well, yeah, we stayed in the golf villa, and so if you were going on a golf trip up there, I would say for the three of us, it fit us quite well. Uh, there's a pull-out couch. We each could have our own beds. Very spacious. You could lay out your clothes. You could bring your golf clubs in there, have plenty of room, multiple TVs, a nice little counter with a sink and place to make coffee, even a, a, a place to kind of go out and get some fresh air and, and overlook Madden. So, um yeah, very, very, very nice little place there. And then um, there are a lot of amenities there, things you can do at Madden's from, you know, stuff on the lake. Uh, you could go to, you know, there's got restaurants and bars right on campus. Don't have to go anywhere, so you don't have to drive if you don't want to. Um, we got an ice cream shop even right there that we we experienced firsthand at 10 p.m. just before it closed. So, um, and, then, and then your pools and your, and your hot tubs and things like that. I know Tim and I wanted to play a little bit of uh, ping pong at some point, just didn't get get to it. So, all right, well, let's go to the Pines next. So the Pines is a Grandview, um, part of the Grandview uh, Lodge, uh, uh, you know, corporation or however you describe that relationship. But I had never played the Pines, and then the further one is the Preserve. I had never played either of these two. I feel like I played most of the places up there. So th these two had me the most intrigued just because I had never experienced or seen them. And we started with the Pines. And, um, you know, as you as you step on the pines, the first thing to know is it's got 27 holes, which offers you variety, offers you flexibility, right? So if you are going to be playing, you know, the pines, you get a chance to intermix the 27 holes, or maybe you only have time for nine holes. You know, you got families going to go shopping, you've got nine holes. That, that would be the one that I would try to call first, just because of that flexibility and variety. Get out and play the pines. Um, you know, not very long. It is, you know, uh, you know, shorter golf course, but very, you know, a lot of dog legs. I will say the one thing, you know, it's got a lot of dog legs left, at least the ones that we play. We play the woods and the lakes. Um, it's kind of, I like to call it plotter's paradise. You're kind of plotting your way around. Um, but I would say it's not as tight as I thought it was going to be coming in. So I was thinking you tee off, you lose your ball left or right. It's over. You know, I didn't feel that constraint you know constricted um i didn't feel like i had to hit tons of irons off the tee um i did sometimes but i did hit a lot of a driver more than i thought i was going to come into it so i don't know what you guys have you know from from what you remember from the pines but anything that you want to add to it well I, I, aspiring I canadian canadian tour pro player trey fessler owes me 20 bucks that's what I know. <laughs> yeah, we, that's right. We had Mike's former Mike. One of the my best lines from Mike was the old. He took on his former player. Trey Fessler is a aspiring professional golfer, and and Mike, uh, being the old coach, took on took on Trey, um, as well as all three of us took on Trey. I will say this course is not a Trey Fessler style course. Trey has 190 plus ball speed, and this does not allow him to let the big dog eat a lot of it. <laughs> 
But one of my favorite is Mike's got his little visor on over there, claiming that he's Steve Spurrier, the old ball coach. Yeah, I couldn't beat the. I thought I, I thought I had him. I thought I had him for a while there. The, the most demoralizing was when. Okay, first of all, the pod we just kicked Trey's ass, but Trey did, Trey did not play very well. Believe me, Trey can really play. I've played golf with him a ton. He's a very, very good player. I don't, I don't know if he's beaten us even if he played well, though. We must have been no, like eight not. under as a group. He has the he has the current course record on the new layman course. Um, and as he shot a 63 for me in high school, I did it again in, down in Arizona, I think. So he could, Trey could play. But I thought I had him and on uh, like hole 15 when he hit it in the trees and he tried to hit the miracle shot. Then he hit it backwards with like back backhanded one. And I'm in the middle of the fairway, just perfect, just nice middle of the fairway. Shocker, I couldn't figure out. So, okay, so here, we didn't talk about this part. I don't know how this didn't happen to these two, but Trey and I were talking about this in our round. It was so hot and humid. The ball was flying so fucking far. I kept, I was going down two clubs sometimes from like the normal summer (laughs) club it was just the biggest guessing game all weekend do i go down one club do i go down two clubs the ball's just flying and trey said the same thing too well anyway we get i'm in the fairway he's just in complete jail dinking around hitting shots and he finally hits his four shot on like 45 feet away and i hit my second short of course i was i went down two clubs or whatever <laughs> and then i chunked it then i started talking smack that oh old ball Coach is gonna be up one. You spent you <laughs> spent five minutes talking shit before hitting that chip. Because I'm up, he's like he's got like a 50 footer for for bogey, and I'm right in front of the green and two. And I chunked the chip, then chunked the next chip and, and made the bogey. And of course, he he made his like 50 footer for bogey, just gross. And then I was done basically. <laughs> yeah, Mike, I think the the difference between you and, and Tim, like you, it's called compression, okay? Because you you compress the ball and. I would I aspire well, to be a ball striker. I just uh I, I didn't deal with these long distances like you did. I don't know about Tim you. And I were ta- Tim and I were talking about that. You're probably right, because Trey and I were talking about it and Trey said for sure his ball is flying forever. But I hit it a lot higher than you guys do, you know, and maybe that's just because of swing speed and compression and all that. But it was it was for sure a real thing. Like it was crazy how far the ball was going. It was insane. Well, woe is me. My seven iron goes two twenty up a steep. <laughs> yeah but that's, the, but that's the thing you that's not like that's not good like I, when you when you're not used to it going that far it's like what you're just completely guessing all the time like what club to hit and, and mike is a good player like normally you know 90 percent of times he beats tim and i but this weekend for whatever reason you know when you get in the tighter courses <laughs> you know, I, I love that it's now down to 90 percent. it was at 100 <laughs> percent <laughs> you cannot bomb and gouge everywhere up here and same with trey like it really brings his ability to you know it kind of brings him back to the knee and that's where tim and i came up with the one of us kind of thing one of us because he really could not utilize the length in a lot of ways that you maybe could at a wide open golf course right so it was kind of fun to have him come back to the mean kind of look like a normal <laughs> golfer from time to time yeah, it's fun time out there so yeah, so that was the Pines, um, and then let's let's kind of go with the related course to it. Uh, the next morning, we got up and played the Preserve, um, which did not start off with the best of uh, the starts because Tim, our fearless leader, went to the <laughs> 7.52 tee time, and it was a 7.25 tee time. So uh, shout out to the, the people at the Preserve that made us 
or, or that got us an opportunity to still get on the golf course. Cause I would have totally understood if they said, sorry, can't fit you guys in would have been totally understandable. We probably would just take a nice little breakfast there and, you know, talk, talk shit to Tim and, and told, but guys that guys, that guys that work for work from home for a living, they have a home office. Don't, don't have to keep a schedule. They just get up whenever they want. <laughs> well, guys, I sent, I sent out our itinerary multiple times and then I've had a couple beverages. I've just chunked half of my golf ball amount into the gravel pit in some way. I've, I've, I thought, wow, should we listen to Tim and trust him that it's 752 or should we look at the text message in the email chain that has it listed at 725? Well, we came to realize because the second round was you said 150 was actually 140. So you were you screwed up both of them. The 150 was verified in email, though. So, yeah, I missed by <laughs> 10 minutes there, but he verified an email. So that's not on me. We were there on time. Okay. Uh, but back to the preserve and the fact that we a did get to play. Thank you. Thank you, Matt, the assistant pro out there. And uh, B, that we got to play off the back nine first, which I thought was phenomenal. Probably the of what we played, the most playable nine holes would be kind of like a, a not quite a city course, um, but tons of, of elevation changes, a little bit more openness to it, not completely trapped by pine trees. Uh, yeah. that, that we'd seen in great bunkering, um, bunkering on, on either single or double sides of fairways. Um, and then a lot of, a lot of either trees for aiming points or bunkering for aiming points into fairways and greens. Yeah. Um, you know, the classic and Deacons get the big, you know, the big cred for being the big two. And I think the way, the way Craigans is really working on things and fixing it up, that's going to be right up there also. But I, I was, uh, I had not played the preserve in holy cow 20 some years and i actually thought that the back nine at the preserve could hold itself right up there too that was a great nine holes really good i thought very fun a lot of little bit of elevation changes land movements it was good so yeah. adding to my birdie total <laughs> three there yeah Tim three, was a three a classic yep um, but one of the reasons why he you know he was able to make birdies i feel like the golf course offers that variety right there was I can specifically remember a drivable par four, you know, those guys went irons. I went driver. You know, I, I had a birdie putt, a, a very close birdie putt. Look, those, you know, at least Tim had a good birdie putt um, look from, from laying up more. Um, and, and, and then the short par threes, they had a couple short ones where it's down downhill. So you could kind of, you kind of play the slope and figure out what club you had to hit as well as a longer one. You think there was like a, like a hundred, almost 201, you know, and like, I think it'd be whole eight or something like that. So they also did, you know, the, the elevation change. So you got, they, they just offer different clubs. You know, it's like, I think we're getting away from, and we've talked about this. Like, like I just love myself a nice short par three here and there. Like give a chance to make a two instead of the long, it's got to, everything's got to be 175 yards or more. I feel like there's a lot of courses from, especially from the back tees, which we are playing. That's the only calls you get is the back tees has to be 175 yards or more. And so we didn't have that. We got, I remember hitting a nine iron once or twice or, or pitching wedge even, and then you get your longer ones. I, I think there's a place for long part of threes as well. So I like that variety. I would say too, um, obviously you've got your, your pristine, your well-manicured in the classic and in, in Deacons. 
And then you've got your Kragen's championship style courses where you're you're getting challenged, um, but in a way that, that a lot of the tour guys would expect with a little bit more openness. I would say that the preserve, especially that back nine, was just a step down from what you would expect from a mixture of the both. You had some trees, but a good fair challenge, um, but but not to the difficulty of of the classic or of of Deacons with with too much change. Uh, it's unfortunate though, because the front nine didn't necessarily resemble the back nine completely. The bunkering was a little bit spaced from from greenside, um, and there's a lot more marsh. There's a lot more more blind shots, and we were you know having having kind of issues on the tee figuring out well what do we hit here? You know where do we go on this angle? What's going on over that hill on the on our our back but their front? Um, but they did at least they offered the visual right on the golf cart, the yeah. GPS the cart. cart. Yep. So so that helps. They had a solid uh, pulled pork sandwich in the. Uh, oh my god! In the uh, clubhouse there, and a decent selection of beers. They had a pretty good selection of drinks in there, all the different canned stuff. I would say that again, was- we saw we saw that bachelor party come in too. So I think you know pines and preserve again the two with Grandview, kind of the the laid back atmosphere go out you know swing it swing a club have some drinks bring your speaker kind of kind of environment and i would say the patio is one of my favorites like it just and the reason why it's it's uh it's elevated so it overlooks the the preserve on the back there you can kind of if you if it wasn't 110 degrees out you could say too hot to sit on but (laughs) you have to sit on but like yeah if it was like a nice cooler day like you could just sit out there and overlook the golf course it would it's it's fantastic so that would probably be one of my favorite favorite patios sits. Well, a better patio. And are we ready to talk about gravel pit? Yeah, I think that's our next next stop on the tour de Brainerd is to the the gravel pit. Um, yeah, I think uh, Tim and I had been there before, so we'd got a chance to to play it. Mike had never been, and we've gotten to know the people there, Chuck, um, and Julie there, and some others. I can't remember what was uh, our our lady that served us this year, but I'd also Remember her name? I can't remember it, but uh, she's she was a familiar face as well for us, which is kind of cool to see. He was Linnea, walking, yeah, Lydia, Lydia, something like that. Okay, and I re- and I had recognized her because she had been actually. She's the one on. You guys have seen that. You guys brought up the the Zy- there's a Zyre Golf uh, um post that went nuts. I don't know that had millions. I saw of- your swing out there. You're gonna have a hard time. Okay, so so there's I never saw that, but you guys had seen it. So, anyways. This is like a, and, and, and you guys have done all the par three courses and I'll let you guys comment because you guys have been to those other ones. I haven't really been to many of the, you know, the sandbox or the cradle or things like that. And, but what I have picked up on my time there is that they offer something that a lot of other places cannot. And that is environment of just fun. Um, the flexibility, I mean, they are willing to, you know, and I can't say this, you know, publicly, but, you know, they, they've talked about letting a six some go out. Um, they can't t- say it publicly, but we'll say it here. Yeah. <laughs> like, in like, the private <laughs> privacy of the internet. It'll never get out. You know what I mean? Like they're not like snooty. Like they, they know you are there for one reason and one reason only. It's to have fun. And and so they'll do anything they can to ensure that your time there is fun. Um, and hopefully, you know, the golf that you play can relate to the fun that you're 
trying to have. But you talk about vibes. You can put the music on. Gambler's Paradise, if you like to gamble. You're a gambler. And gamble um, and just make it a fun. I think it's a great venue for like after, instead of trying to play 36, play your morning round at, a, at one of the other ones we talked about and go to the gravel pit at night. You know, go play yeah. an evening round out there and spend some time out there. And I know they get fires going every once in a while. They'll have some evening music and things like that. Great smash burger, great pizza, um, putting course. So I don't know, lots to offer. What'd you guys think? Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, you know, crazy greens. Um, you know, they're building another 10 and a half holes or whatever. Um, I love the half hole where you basically putt it from like 50 yards, crazy slope. I wish there were more of those actually on almost all these par three courses. Those are like the funnest holes. But um, that was my take exactly. You, if you play the other golf courses up here, you know, you're going to get beat up a little bit. It's just going to happen. That's not a knock on the golf courses. They're tight. They're all pretty narrow. They're all in the trees. It's going to happen. It's a little bit, you know, you're, you're, you're grinding a bit. So the perfect like, you know, middle of the of a guy's trip would be, yeah, do eight, 18 or even just go out to the gravel pit for, uh, that's all you do that day and and go around a few times, play one time where you just, uh, you know, keep score or then play another time where you do what we did. You, you either make yeah. a, a two or nothing. You just, you hit the approach shot, you try to make a putt and then, you know, whatever. If, if there was nobody out there and it was, you know, pretty quiet, you know, and maybe the weather's a little crappy or something, that'd be the funnest way to do it. You could fly around and play so many rounds, just playing twos, trying to make twos. And uh, that, you know, have a bunch of beers, chill and relax and not not play a stressful golf for the, for a day. So rumor rumor is from Chuck, the, the owner, one of the owners. They're going to have a ones only, aces only event, possibly coming up here in the future with a, a pretty big dollar buy-in. But if you think about the rarity of an ace, and uh, and you can buy the buy-in, and you can send other folks. So let's say I'm really feeling it with the wedge, and Mike's got $2,000 burning a hole in his pocket. He can send me on his behalf to go make an ace and win that that big cash prize. But rumor is they might try to do something like that up there. And boy, um, would that be not only fun to watch, but but fun to participate in. Not, uh, not to say I wouldn't pick you, Tim. With two thousand dollars. Well, I, I dug after, a hole to China. After I dug after, a hole to China. After what I witnessed, after what I witnessed for like four straight holes, <laughs> I could just take the two thousand and go give it to Chuck and say, "Here's my donation. Just <laughs> put it in the pot." <laughs> okay, you know, I, I had maybe one too many of those Mai Tai rum tiki drinks. <laughs> it's not my fault. They're thirteen percent. They should write it bigger on the bottle. Tim was trying to but, find the gravel pit by digging in as much as he could on those chunks. I, I was trying to find the old gravel in the gravel pit. Um, that was it's, phenomenal. Phenomenal to watch, though. It was, it was a very fun just, time. How do you lose so many golf balls in a par three course? More <laughs> more golf balls lost at gravel pit at a par three course than lost I'm, at any of the other courses combined. Two hundred forty yard spinny, Tim. That's that's why I should I should have hit driver. I should have hit driver. I'm actually Venmoing Jeff as we speak the twenty dollars I owe him from the gravel pit. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um. And and just a little bit more specifically about the course itself when you play it. Uh. You know, it's got thirteen holes. We talked about the added more, but but um. You know, ranges. I think from when we played, we always played the the further back tees. You can play different tees. You don't have to play the back tees. There's another set there. You could mix match. You go every other color. You can go blue, gold, blue, gold if you want. There's all any way you want to do it. Um, you don't have to play from the backs. I think if you did do it that way, it ranges from anywhere from like 180, 170 ish, all the way to like 60, maybe is your shortest, uh, 55, somewhere in there. Um, but that's the other thing. Like there's not really any rules. You don't have to play. You can play any tee box you want. 
My 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 opinion would be play farther up because you know when you play the backs, um, yeah, obviously you know most people are going to play the backs, but you that a lot of it's an air game still. You're flying everything at the pin. Really fun if you move up and now that hundred and whatever yard hole is like sixty yards and you can kind of see the slopes and you can play little runners and bumping runners off hills and things like that makes it really fun. Yep, compared to other par three courses, um, this is cradle sandbox. Uh, the one at Big Cedar, you know, I've played quite a, quite a few. Now the greens at the gravel pit are insane. I, they are, they are just so much bigger in movement and, and break and undulation than most anywhere else that, that I've played to I, there's, there's kind of some templates, but they're done in such a large fashion that they, they don't even resemble their their original designing um, premise. So, and then this, this is the same as the the classic designed by, by Scott Hoffman. So kind of his, his second course. And uh, they're finishing up that, that extra 10 and a half holes uh, right now. So it, it's good. There's going to be a lot of fun out there at the gravel pit. Uh, it, and it, as you guys said, maybe you go play it in the morning and it's boating afterwards, right? It's, it's just, it's such a fun place to hang out for, you know, a, a little while of the day. And try to temper your expectations. Like, don't show up and think that they're gonna have the greens rolling at thirteen. They they can't. Like, oh, you can't. Oh my god. So many it, the... iron wedges shots that are coming in that the greens have to be harder. Like, they have to have a a little bit more um, firmness to them. Otherwise, it's gonna be the greens will just be beat up to to whatever. So, just keep in mind that any course like this cannot physically do that because they won't be able to. Ma- they they can't upkeep it. It's too much upkeep. So, the the, the greens will be a little bit slower to the other you know, courses that you played and, and the greens will be a little bit firmer. You know, you're not going to be, uh, I don't think you'll be spinning them back. There's no spinning them back unless you're using the slopes on some of them. So just keep in mind, like temper your expectations in that fine and have fun. Like don't, don't focus on the green speeds or, you know, it's just go out there, have some fun, throw some darts and uh, yeah, make some deuces. Anything else from the gravel pit? Nope. All right. And to the, the finale, the finale of the Tour de Brainerd, the one, our last one that we played, um, Arnie's Place, Deacon's Lodge. It was a second back, eight back half of a, a 36-holer day in 100-degree heat. So so we're coming in already kind of physically beat up, maybe mentally beat up too, depending on, on who you are. Um, but, yeah, we got a chance to chat, chat with him in the clubhouse a little bit before we teed off. I know that I had played this before one time, and I don't think – you guys had much experience there. So I was kind of going in quite blind to, you know, what we were doing. I just had one round to bank off and I try to remember all of it, but, but uh, yeah. So any comments that you guys had from, from seeing it for the first time? Uh, I yeah, would go, uh, go ahead, Tim. I would say your, your whole thing about tea boxes, folks, you're never going to get better. If you move up, move back, <laughs> be a man. <laughs> And I think that we should have moved back a tee box at uh, at Deacons. We should have played it from all the way back, just because a, a lot of the I had to hit a lot of three woods or hybrids off of tees, and I would have much rather hit the old big dog. It was working so well through the. Really wasn't I mean, the, what was is the two hundred and thirty yard spinner going to be great from seven thousand yards? Hey, I Mike, know. I got that two thousand that twenty uh, two hundred and thirty yard spinner got you beat, baby. Uh, not at that course, it did not. No, you no, got no, me no, there. No, 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 yeah, I did, exactly. I did get you. A, I got you a preserve though. No, did I get yeah, you a preserve you or preserve and classic? Okay. We tied it fine. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, I would disagree with Tim. With Tim. <laughs> um, like, here's the thing. I think, again, I think this goes with all the Brandon course again. You got to go up there. If you go on a trip, you can play up and you can, if you play up a box, um, you can then hit three wood or, you know, hybrid or an iron with a lot less stress probably to the same spot your driver is going to go from the back tee, which has a much higher, for most golfers, a much higher probability of spraying it somewhere. And you can get just as much enjoyment without a lot of the stress. Tim disagrees for whatever reason, because apparently you can't hit a, a hybrid or a three wood or whatever, but uh, I don't. It, it just, it, it just seemed like, it just seemed like every time I had the three wood out there, I followed Jeff into the trees and then <laughs> Jeff got out better than I did. Um, no, 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 no. Yours was going into the trees and the tree spits it back out. That's yeah. with the driver, the three wood directly into the trees. Oh, um, yeah. Deacons. I mean, the one thing I would say about is a great shape. It's probably the funnest layout of all the courses up there. You get some pretty cool holes, the water. Well, I shanked it on this hole, but that hole with the big punch bowl is kind of cool. And yeah. Well, um, yeah, you know, we, we bur- Tim and I birdied, Tim and I birdied one of Arnie's 18 favorite holes in America or whatever. Uh, yeah. Did, yep. did, number did, number did, 17 did, rammed it in. We did it in different ways. The lab putter made one from like 50 feet. <laughs> what club did you hit there in that 205 yard hole? Uh, a five iron, Mike. Five. five. To the front. Okay. All right. Five um, iron to the middle. Perfect. Oh, was that what it was? Yeah, we birdied that. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, the one thing I would say for Deacons is I, I really, I hope or I wish they had, they had uh, GPS on the carts, like visual GPS. They have the front and the back, but where you, because there's a lot of like, uh, not necessarily blind spots, but like carries over. You don't really know what's up. Is it water? Is it weeds? Is it a uh, rough? It's just kind of, is it waste bunker? Uh, but maybe they do sell a they do sell a yardage book in the pro shop. We could have probably went and purchased that would have maybe helped helped us a little bit. But yeah, no, I thought it was a pretty fun track. Yeah, I I think it, in comparison to the classic, which I think is kind of its competitor, it felt a little bit more open. But with that that openness came the classic. You you can kind of see down some of the fairways or. The fairways don't necessarily end in patches of fescue or, or you know, large crevices of of land or into massive waste bunkers that are down 20, 30 feet from from fairway surface. You kind of just rolled off into into the rough over the classic. Where at Deacons, because I we weren't gauging yardage very well, uh, there was a, a few situations where we found ourselves down in one of those those runoff areas into the fescue. And um, again, it makes for an absolutely gorgeous course. I, I think what there had to be at least seven holes that ran around a portion of, of the lake. Um, so completely gorgeous. I, it was just some of, some of the, the teen areas or some of the layup areas when they were needed were really kind of hard to, to identify. They're really, they're very, they're actually really very different golf courses you know you think about like the classic if you hit it and in, in, if you hit it straight between the trees you're gonna have probably a flat lie you're gonna have a shot whereas there's a lot more land movement at deacon so you could hit it somewhere and then it might you know run off down a slope into some fescue or whatever they're kind of they're they're very different the way you play them um you got to use you got to play slopes a lot more at deacons than you do at the classic at least at least off the tee and stuff maybe not on the approach shots but there's definitely more slope to it 
I would say too, uh, for, for any listeners that are interested, number 17, longer par four, or sorry, longer par three, a little bit downhill. Uh, the green really sits above a, a marshland that, that kind of cascades out into a, a large, a large lake. And, uh, number 17 is on Arnold Palmer's listed dream 18 holes. So it's, it's one of the holes that Arnie had identified as his best designs out of all of his courses. Would have been a cool hole for an ace. Yeah, Mike was very close. So close, Mike. Shocker. Close didn't, shocker didn't go in. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with what you guys are saying. Um, I, I like I, I kind of like that back nine of Arnie's um of of Deacons. Uh I and the front nine's good too. It's just you know, you, you you're on your last um 18 holes, you've played a lot of swings, and you know, you just get to a point where it's like you're just done with stress shots. And I think if you can kind of go in and just relax and hit a golf shot and be able to kind of, you know, have a mindset of just being able to maneuver. And and I think I had more trouble with my approach shots than anything. I think I played out of the fairway a few times and, and just couldn't hit the greens. And for whatever reason, you know, there's protective bunkering. There's the fescue bunkering that your ball, Tim found that once. Um, there's, you know, runoffs. We had a little bit of wind on that second one too, which made it a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, there's a lot of waste bunkers where, where there's no rakes and things like that, that you could find yourself in. I know Mike and I were in those quite a few times. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a good test. And I mean, if you are on your game and you want to test it on more of a championship condition feel like by all means go there and see what you can shoot. Cause it is going to be definitely uh, it's going to be challenging to you, but yeah, play the right tees is my, is my, I know Tim wants to play further back, but I think if you play the correct tee, <laughs> you have a better chance of, of having more fun. I think that's what it's all about. You want to have fun. You want to score. Well, you want to leave the course feeling good and not want to quit golf like Mike does. So that's kind of where we're at with the golf until next week. The best player didn't break 80 all weekend, which, you know, that that's a sign for things to come. He's one of us now he's becoming where he's slowly morphing into Tim and I, which has just been fascinating to watch over the couple of This is this is not good. Might have to have a little. You know, this might have to be the the winter where we give the body a little over. Maybe this is the body coming into play here. We got to give it a little overhaul. Maybe it's time to start working Mike, out. Mike, we we have for the listeners. We have it. Not necessarily pro am. I don't want to call it an am am. That just sounds wrong. I'm not uh, playing until Sunday when I show up at Royal. It'll be the first time since Deacons. Just, that's oh just the way it is. All right, it's going to happen. Don't worry, boys. It's a scramble. Just I showed you the scramble swing over the lake. Just get one and play, and then we'll hammer away. That could be our mantra right one. there. <laughs> uh, so at next next Sunday, uh, we're going to be participating in the. I'm going to call it a pro am. The pro am for um, the the Annika Invitational. The Annika Invitational, uh, which is a uh, kind of a signature event for women's college um, women's college golf. Uh, where the Gophers are the hosts. So very excited, excited to see who we get paired with. And um, if you are a fan of good golf, I mean, there are, that is top level D1 golf coming. You got Texas, you got Duke, you got Oregon, you have, uh, oh, I can't remember who else, Baylor. There's a bunch of really top flight Division I women's golf teams that are coming to um, the Royal Club here in the East Metro, the Twin Cities next week. So appropriately enough, for episode 69, we're going to be talking about collegiate women's golf. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and Walter Hagen. And Walter Hagen. We got we, we to uh, we gotta touch on the uh, Walker Cup quick before we leave, though. Unless yeah. you want to do it. 
Yeah, I'm 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 gonna let you guys do that. My wife just texted me. Um she's flying in from New York. She went to the US Open. Um, but she's got she just texted me, she's landing 30 minutes early, so I gotta get going. It's also my daughter's birthday. I'll let you guys finish up on the Walker Cup and uh we'll see you all and talk to you all next week. All right, all right. out here, folks. Um, Walker Cup. So um USA, so if you don't know what the Walker Cup is, it's a, it's essentially the amateur version of the Ryder Cup. You got the best amateurs. From Great Britain and Ireland, not all of Europe, just Great Britain and Ireland, and then uh, the United States. They went over and played um, at the old course, St. Andrews, um, and the U.S. was down pretty big after day one, seven and a half to four and a half, and then put on a massive charge on the second day and just kicked ass and ended up winning 14 and a half to 11 and a half. So shout out to uh, Mike McCoy, the captain, and his uh his Walker Cup team, which is mostly amateurs and one professional amateur, Stewie Stuart Hagestad, the 32-year-old. <laughs> what a dream life. What a dream life. That's a hell of a life that guy does. He's playing he plays in every big amateur event. He's a he's got plenty of cash, folks. He's like a hedge fund manager or something, but he's 32. He uh I think it was like his third or fourth Walker Cup. I don't know. He did though in singles on Sunday. I saw highlights. He bombed in like two like 50 or 70 footers with the with the long wand he putts with. Um but yeah, I don't know. If you watch it, it's pretty sweet. Match play kicks ass. Um Gordon Sargent, the number one amateur in the world, showed out for the US and was 4 0. We're gonna actually try to get him on the pod. We have some contact information. So um yeah, I don't know. We didn't watch much of what we were playing. What do you think of the Walker Cup Tim? Uh, just it, anytime there's there's match play on TV, especially in the morning, it's always a good time. So yep. we spent we spent our mornings before doing anything, uh, putting on Golf Channel and, and watching. Um, okay. Plus, it it was a little blustery out there. Uh, it was certainly dry, so they they definitely had St Andrews like conditions. Yeah, and if you uh, like, I believe one of one of the Great Britain Ireland guys hit a tee shot onto the hotel on seventeen. God, I love that. Hit the hotel, yeah. Yeah, it was that it was pretty windy. Um, Speaking just, of great shots, Mike hitting one into Jeff's cart. So oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, you gotta yeah. play it as it lies. It I'd be up on that hotel cart. grabbing a drink and hitting the golf ball. I didn't know you guys were up there actually over this hill when I hit it from the woods. And thankfully, once I heard the loud pop, I knew it wasn't a human. <laughs> it hit a lot of <laughs> hit a lot of plastic. Um, but the Walker Cup. You want to talk about absolutely sick golf courses that the Walker Cup is going to play? Uh, in 2025, Cypress Point. 2027, La Hinch. No, 2026, La Hinch. This every year they do this. This is every two years. So this must be wrong. It must be 2027. Anyway, it goes why it goes Cypress Point, La Hinch, Bandon Dunes. The RNA has not announced theirs yet for the next one. Oakmont. The RNA has to announce another one for Europe and then Chicago Golf Club. So it's just like sick course after sick course after sick course. So that's I awesome wonder because Amazon. the Walker originally went to LACC, which because of its popularity, um, because the members didn't mind having some of the public on. I mean, they did because they purchased all those tickets to limit people on their course anyway. But yep. it, I wonder if this starts to open up the conversation around Cyprus again. Right was was part of of major tournaments within yeah. the tour before leaving. Does it open up Chicago? Does Chicago have the distance to host a, a U.S. That's Open? The, that's the problem with like Cyprus and Chicago. Like LACC, they could back it up a little bit. I don't, maybe Chicago's actually opened up a little bit. They had the um, 
like what they have like a u.s women's senior open or there's something at chicago golf club in the last few years so yeah that's all i mean the nice thing is is these are golf courses that uh, obviously we know oakmont but like cypress point and chicago that you just don't see a lot on tv even on social media hardly you get you get some video of it but it's it's pretty rare so that's pretty yeah, documentation of there. chicago is is sparse yeah. I mean, there's not there's not drone footage there's you know a few photos trying to find anything on on chicago is almost as hard as pine valley and the only thing you can find on pine valley anymore since they started limiting uh people watching the crump cup is like a 1963 wild world of golf yeah. from back in the day and that's damn near in black and white it's so bad well i in think picture quality they're taking phones away that they don't let you you, pl- you get out there they don't let you bring your cell phone out there that's why there's just nothing or smoke oh bummer zero zero fun <laughs> well we got anything else timmy oh nothing that comes to mind except for two victories a tie and a loss yeah. You want to watch some very average golf? Come out to the Rail Club on Sunday next week at about one p.m. and we will be out there with a some college golfer from one of the some teams. poor college golfer, <laughs> some poor gal from one of the squads will be in our group. Um, see what uh, what uh, you know she has to say. Maybe help us out a bit. But uh, as we'll we'll do Jeff's tagline for him as we sign out. The difference between seventy nine and eighty is everything. Maybe today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 